Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for forty days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live on bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, I shall give you all this power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. Jesus said to him in reply, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then he led him to, the, to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We all just want to be happy. Happiness is the end for which we all work. This has been the statement from the most ancient of times, from ancient Greek philosophers up until our own day and age, if you listen to any pop song, that we all just have this desire to be happy. It is the deepest longing of our heart. And this is so often what drives us to do anything. And St. Augustine even points out to us that this is the reason why even we sin. It's because we convince ourselves, or we think to ourselves, that for some reason it is good. For some reason it is going to work us towards our end of happiness. In today's gospel, we hear Satan tempt Jesus in three different ways. And Jesus, as the Son of God, what is Satan really trying to do? Does he think he's going to overcome the Son of God, God incarnate, Jesus Christ, true God and true man? Or is there perhaps something even more destructive that Jesus lays out for us an example, a way in which we too can resist temptation? that we too can put to death the lies that the evil one speaks into our ears on a daily basis. We see in the first temptation that Jesus lays before, that Satan lays before Jesus. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. This speaks to us living upon a purely horizontal plane, focusing on the things of this world, the passing pleasures of what this life can offer that basically if we just satisfy our most basic needs, if you give people shelter, water, and food, they'll be happy. There is a slide that we tell ourselves that that's all that is needed. And it's not even, it's even beyond the realm of food. We can tell ourselves that career, money, finances, stability in that area is going to make us happy. If I get the job I want, that will satisfy me. If I'm finally stable and I have a nice old reserve and nest egg saved up for myself, 
I'll be happy. But it is a lie. And Jesus then speaks to this lie that Satan speaks to him by saying, one does not live on bread alone. Using those words of scripture to remind Satan, but then also to remind us that we do not live on bread alone. The sustenance, the things of this world can never fully satisfy us can never bring us lasting happiness. Yes, absolutely necessary for us to eat, to drink, to provide for our families. But at the same time, those things will never satisfy. While we do not live on earthly bread alone, there is one bread that truly does satisfy. And that is the bread of heaven. Jesus Christ himself, who comes down to us upon this altar, who comes down to us under the appearance of bread and wine and gives the fullness of God's life to us, who in a worthy state receive him here at Mass. To those of us who have cleared grave sin from our souls, he offers us everything, the satisfaction of our hearts, that while we do not live on bread alone, we do live upon the Eucharist alone. In the Eucharist alone, are our hearts truly satisfied? Is every aspect of our being brought into communion with the loving God who created us? And so we see Jesus then later on in the Gospels deliver to us the answer to this temptation. That in the season of Lent, as we fast, we are encouraged to increase our hunger for our Lord in the Most Holy Eucharist. This is even why the church asks us to fast, albeit only an hour before Mass, is to remind us of that deeper hunger, the deeper hunger that we have for Him, and to increase that hunger by reminding ourselves of our bodily hunger, which then indicates the deeper spiritual longing that we should have for Him in the Eucharist. In the second temptation, Satan says to Jesus, I shall give you all this power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish, speaking of all the kingdoms of the world. And then Jesus replied, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. I think so often in our lives, while we can worship our careers, we can worship earthly pleasures, we can worship things that we pursue, certainly our own day and age, I think internet pornography is one of those bigger issues, that we so often give ourselves and worship something else. We see that something else, and we think something else, will satisfy us. But even more so, I think it is important even for all of us to remind ourselves, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. We can even worship other people. We can think that other people will satisfy us. It is even a temptation to think that your spouse will fully satisfy you, to think your spouse will solve all your problems, to think your spouse completes you. As Fulton Sheen pointed out, it takes three to get married, husband, wife, and Jesus Christ. It is not two, but three. Only whenever the Lord is brought into our human relationships do they become truly fulfilling. If they are left on their own power, they will not satisfy us. They will not bring about lasting peace because we are going to eventually disappoint one another. 
So we cannot rely upon our spouse to make us happy. We cannot rely upon our children to fulfill us in our true end of happiness. You cannot rely upon your priest or your pastor to bring you the fullness of happiness. That is a weight that no one can bear. There is only one who can bear all of that, who can bear all of our sadness, all of our joys, all of our tribulations, and all of our triumphs. And it is the one who, during the season of Lent, we remember that carried our cross, carried our sins for our sakes. It is only him who can bear all of that, only him who can bring us lasting happiness. That is who we give our lives to. That is who we worship alone. The one who bears all for us, has borne all for us, and will continue to bear all for us. Yes, of course, love your spouse. Give yourself to your spouse completely. Love your children. Take joy in the joy that they give you. Take solace in your friends. Find peace in those relationships. But do not make them the end for which you live. Do not make them your be-all, end-all. But instead remember that those friendships, those relationships, are only perfected in Him and Jesus Christ alone. And so we offer ourselves to Him, because then He can help us to see the goodness within others. He can help us to work through and look past some of those things that bother us about others. And so in him alone do we worship and serve. In him alone will we find happiness. Now many of you out there, because, well, you're here at Mass, probably recognize this fact, this reality, this truth that the Lord lays before our eyes again and again in the Scriptures. But I think the last temptation gets to the heart of something more sinister that is at work within our hearts because it's so often hard to see and it pops up in different areas and at different points within our lives. It says that Satan led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, You are the Son of God. Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, You should not put the Lord your God to the test. While many of us accept that God is God, that he is Lord, and that we should give our lives to him, so often we fall into the temptation of thinking and the lie that Satan wants to tell us, because that's always at the root of every sin, is that God doesn't care. He's not always good. Or if he is good, in this instance, he apparently doesn't care about me. Because we ask ourselves, why has this befallen me? Why has the Lord allowed this into my life? Why does this evil still exist? Why do we allow this to trouble us? I mean, it's obvious, like, obviously it's going to trouble us to an extent, and we wrestle with it. But the Lord reminds us here to not put the Lord our God to the test. This is not to say, don't question. So this is to say, trust him. God is our Father. And we are his children. We are his beloved sons, his beloved daughters. We are his. He has us in hand. 
And yes, we may state this to ourselves. But at the same time, we doubt. I doubt. Each and every one of us doubts this. Because again, it is Satan's most sinister trick. Because it doesn't always get expressed in that way. We don't say, God, I don't trust you. Instead, it bears itself out that we try to make contingency plans for every possible thing. If I stand up for the church's teaching on this, I might lose this friend, my job. Then what will I do? If I show an extra sign of reverence for our Lord in the Eucharist, what are other people going to think of me? If I acknowledge that I actually believe that piece of bread is the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity, people are going to think I'm crazy. If I hold to the church's teaching on the nature of marriages between one man and one woman, where will that leave me? Who am I going to lose? I'm going to look like an archaic barbarian stuck in the dark ages. It works itself out in so many sinister ways, but the Lord always has us in hand. What child in the loving arms of a father doubts that he is going to drop him? What baby being coddled by its mother or father thinks that they're going to abandon them? We are always in the hands of a loving God. He loves us. He cares for us. And throughout this season of Lent, we are asked to trust more. That maybe by skipping that meal, not having that dessert in a small way, we say, maybe I don't need that. Maybe I won't starve if I don't have that piece of cake or that second helping or put a little extra salt on my food. Maybe by giving up a little extra sleep to make some time for prayer in the morning. We trust, well, maybe if I am a little more tired, the Lord will still take care. In innumerable other ways, we can express our trust in God's loving providence. That all things work for the good for those who love God, for we who love God. Because I've seen all of you work this out, practice this in your lives. It's not as though I'm preaching something that you haven't practiced in the past before, but I've seen it. As people's trusted as we begin this Beacons of Light process, that it'll all work for the good. The excitement that you expressed at being together with McCartyville, Fort Laramie, and Newport, and even the trust at different points where things haven't quite worked out the way that you wanted, and you bring it to me after Mass, like, Father, pray for this, but I trust that God has me in hand has shown me that you practice this. So this homily is not to criticize, but instead to encourage. To encourage you to continue to trust and look at those areas where you may not be trusting yet and to begin trusting more. Because we all can trust more. I can trust more. God has us at hand. Jesus, I trust in you. Expresses the deepest truth of our divine filiation, of our divine childhood, as a son or daughter of God. God is my father, and I am his beloved son or daughter. That is where our lives are found. That is where our happiness is found. Whenever we fully depend on him, 
fully entrust ourselves to him, begin day by day to recognize that no matter what befalls us, for good or ill, that we can express with Job, the great prophet of providence, who said, if we accept good things from God, should we not accept evil? Blessed be the name of the Lord.